Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and Halloenzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for part two of the Labor Day weekend mega mailbag with our friend who's the co-host of Blewett's Blitz over at jetsxfactor.com, Mr. Joe Blewett. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. The Jets genius asks, do you think Zach Wilson passes the quote eye test? Most elite quarterbacks almost immediately jump off the screen once they started playing. Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, even Herbert recently. Not talking wins and losses, just how they looked as a pro QB. Can you say the same about Wilson? Well, that's not entirely true. There are plenty of times where players struggle their rookie year and then really start to put it together year number two. And then obviously year three tends to be the breakout season for a lot of these guys. It was for Josh Allen. And it's not really a fair comparison with some of those guys. Herbert was a huge anomaly, but take a look at the other three that you mentioned. Brady honestly wasn't that great when he first started for the Patriots. Yeah, they won, but if you go back and watch him, he was really more of a caretaker, game manager. He wasn't dazzling anybody. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre, and Patrick Mahomes sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Also, I would argue those two teams had much better supporting casts than anything Zach Wilson had. That's not to say Zach Wilson's supporting cast was terrible, but look at what the Chiefs had and look at what the Packers had at the time. Those two guys inherited playoff caliber rosters. So as far as Zach Wilson goes in the eye test, it's really tough to say right now because we did see some really nice things from him at certain points last year. Go back and look at the Tennessee game. Go back and look at that final stretch, those last couple of games when he came back from injury, and he looked like he had some real potential, but there were some ugly moments there. So this year is going to tell us a lot going forward about who Zach Wilson is as a quarterback. Yeah, I put much more into like the eye test like year two because like you said, you mentioned the guys you already mentioned, and then all we have to do is say, you know, Peyton Manning and Josh Allen, like they didn't necessarily test, pass the eye test um, in year one, but that's why you give quarterbacks, you know, two, two, three years. But I think 
if after a year or two you kind of feel like you did about about Sam Darnold, then you're kind of like edging your way towards him maybe not being necessarily the guy. But yeah, like you said, he had the flashes with the, with the Titans game at, at moments. He had uh, you know the the Eagles game. He had parts of the Texans game. Obviously, you have whatever he knows is the Bucks game. So there are flashes where he, you know he he showed that he could do it. Um, but he needs to just he needs to calm down. Like a lot of a lot of his uh, problem is him just almost rushing his reads and not being confident in what he sees and, and taking extra hitches. When uh, you see him being confident in the offense, we see what we did in, in the Bucks game. But at the same point, like, and I get people being concerned about him because you're in the first game of the preseason, one, he obviously hurts himself, which, you know, maybe I have a different opinion about some other people. I don't necessarily care that he kind of try to get extra yards there. I think he does that a thousand times of practice regardless. It's just kind of a, more of a freak injury, but nonetheless, Exactly. You also have to eliminate, you know, the the really kind of stupid mistakes that he, that he does. Like like the the throw there, uh, the, the technique in the, in the preseason. He's just looking at the apex defender, waits for the apex defender to widen, and then he assumes the curled flat is going to be open. He didn't stare down Corey Davis there. He was just reading one guy and assumed. And you can't just assume in the NFL. Uh, he was reading that side of the field, and there was a there was a um, linebacker in a hook who just who just followed his eyes to that spot. He didn't necessarily stare at Davis though. But that's a very simple concept. Uh, just in terms of that that sticker spot concept, I forget exactly what it was, um, that he should be able to read against a simple defense. So um, he almost has brain farts sometimes and doesn't necessarily trust himself. And I, I think it's almost something like, you know, I kind of compare it to like a guy taking like a three-point shot, like depending on, obviously on who it is. But, you know, a three-pointer is not necessarily expected. So if you make it, great. You know, like that's, that's a plus. But um, you, don't, you don't necessarily have that pressure because it's not an expected shot. Where Zach Wilson struggles is like the wide open layup on a fast break because he can't, you know, he's thinking in his head, you can't miss this. It's going to be so embarrassing when I miss it. And then he misses it because he's thinking about it too hard instead of just doing it. Um, so he needs to get over that in, in year two. Uh, not necessarily the best start in preseason, but at the same time, you know, obviously it is it is preseason, so we can't put too much stock into it. But um, no, I, I don't think that's, that's, that's correct with the eye test in year one because, again, plenty of guys have struggled year one and turned out to be a really good quarterback. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Continuing down the quarterback rabbit hole, Johnny Brasholi asks, who's the worst quarterback in the league that if he instantly became quarterback of the Jets this year, you'd be willing to take an even money bet the Jets would be a playoff team? This is a tough one because I think the Jets roster is much improved, but there's still some work to do. I would say that the answer here is definitely not a middle of the pack or slightly above middle of the pack quarterback. I don't think the Jets are a playoff team with somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. I don't even know if they would be in the playoffs with Dak Prescott, who I think is a top 10 quarterback. You'd probably have to have one of the better quarterbacks in the league right now. Because remember, Miami has upgraded immensely. They're going to be very tough this year. The Bills are arguably the best team in the AFC. And if they're not, they're right in the mix. So that could be four automatic losses. And then after that, who knows what happens with the Patriots. But you're starting at a pretty tough handicap off the bat. I would say you'd need a real upper echelon quarterback for me to take an even money bet that the Jets are going to be in the playoffs. Because obviously, if you had one of those middle-of-the-pack quarterbacks I talked about or somebody like Derek Carr, who also fits in that mix, anything's possible because you never know how the cookie's going to crumble. But an even money bet... I would need one of the top guys. So you'd have to give me a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, somebody like that for me to be comfortable even money with the Jets making the playoffs this year. Yeah, to guarantee it, it, it would take one of those one of those top guys. I, I think I'd be relatively confident if it's like Kirk Cousins plus, uh, you know, Derek. Well, I think I think Derek Carr is a little bit better than Kirk Cousins. But yeah, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, I would feel pretty confident. But 
I wouldn't necessarily bet on it because, like you said, like the, the Raiders are a, a very good roster if you look at it minus their offensive line. And there are some people who are predicting that they might they might not even make um, the, the playoffs this year. So to, to guarantee it, yeah, just like with, with most of other teams, it's going to take – it's a quarterback who kind of carries them. It's not necessarily the roster that carries them unless it's like, you know, a, a 2000 Ravens situation or even the 49ers a couple of years ago with Jimmy G, which I almost want to watch uh, that year – and, and see exactly how they got by with Jimmy G because we all know Jimmy G is not very uh, a very good quarterback. So I, I would say, yeah, top top five, top eight quarterback, I could guarantee it. But I would feel relatively confident in, in a car um, or a Cousins. And I guess it depends on how much money you have and how much money you're willing to spend. I don't I don't know. I just I just bet fifty dollars on a preseason game. So <laughs> it kind of depends on, on how much of a gambling addict you are. Sounds like watching too much film isn't your only problem, Joe. <laughs> no, throwing throwing fifty on the Jets uh, minus three and a half against the Giants in a preseason game is also another problem. <laughs> Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, "Why do you think Braden Mann has underperformed, and so many people are ready to get rid of him? Also, why is he kicking off? Doesn't Greg the Leg have a bigger leg than him when it comes to kickoffs? I would assume so, but." There must be some reason that they're using Braden Mann on kickoffs. And yeah, he has underperformed as far as why. I really couldn't tell you other than he just hasn't been what the Jets were expecting. He was the best punter in the nation in college at Texas A&M. And he just really has been one of the worst punters in the league. He honestly got out punted by Thomas Morstead, who, to be fair, at one point was one of the best punters in the league. If you read Mike Westhoff's book, he goes on and on about how much he loves Thomas Morstead. But yeah, Braden Mann has not come anywhere close to justifying the sixth round pick that was used on him it is a sixth round pick so it's not that big of a deal but anytime you draft a punter or a kicker you're expecting a high caliber player at that position and the Jets haven't gotten that from Brayden Man. yeah it's like one of those things it's like I just I don't understand how it doesn't translate like I remember after drafting him going on and watching some YouTube highlights of of him booming the ball and just being excited about how it sounded coming off of his foot you know like like such an idiot and then it just doesn't it doesn't translate like you said like Morstead was clearly better when he was when he was uh, playing for the Jets through weeks like one through eight or whatever it was, then Man came back and, and you know he struggled. Uh, I think he's a little bit better towards the end of the year than than when he first came back, but still um, wasn't great overall. Especially when you're drafting a puncher, you expect him to be you know obviously pretty legit. And then you see in the Giants preseason game, like the guy just doesn't have control of his leg. Like he you know right like the fifty yard line, he punts it, and it's like five to seven yards back in the end zone. Like he didn't even get close to paying them. Um, you know, in, inside of the 10. So he's been uh, pretty terrible, and I don't think the Jets would move on from him, maybe just because of potential, uh, kind of like an Ashton Davis-type situation, I guess. But there are some guys out there who got released in the last couple of days who um, are legitimate punters. And I know people don't think about it a lot, but there's a big difference, obviously, just starting off that, that next drive at the 20-yard line or with a good with a good punter, you know, starting at the, at the 5. 15 yards in the NFL means a ton. So... Um, I am hoping that they're looking to move on from him, even though I doubt it. Uh, I think he has another year this year where he's inconsistent, you know, shows some flashes, but overall is a below average punter. And they probably move on um, next year, which again, for a sixth round pick punter, you expect it to just work out. Um, but obviously, it, you know, he's not on the trajectory to do so right now. Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He asks, do you anticipate any alterations to the simple jet defenses we've been seeing this summer? Shouldn't all these new vets bring some leadership and flexibility and scheme complexity? Or does Ulbrich keep dumbing it down for the young guys? I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that 
a lot of coordinators don't want to give away their best stuff during the preseason, so they keep mm-hmm. it completely vanilla. But Robbie Sabo, who is your co-owner at Jets X Factor, Joe has talked about this. At some point, you got to let these guys do a little bit more because they need a better dress rehearsal for the regular season. You don't want them being shell-shocked when they have to start actually doing these things against real teams and real players. So I think it was a mistake for Ulbricht to keep it that vanilla. I do expect them to make alterations and do different things once the regular season starts. And obviously last year they had a much younger and much less talented defense, so they can try some things this year that they couldn't do last year. Yeah, and I, and I agree with Rob. Like at a certain point, you want to see something in preseason. But with that being said, in, in, in week three of the preseason, they also did get a little bit more complex. Like you saw some guys, I forget all, exactly at the top of my head, but you saw a little bit more matching. You saw uh, some guys like maybe like Jonathan Marshall or Shepard, whoever it was, um, was dropping back in some shallow zones. And, and don't think like they're playing like a hook zone, but like they're walling guys off, crossers, things like that. So they threw some more blitzes. So I think that the Jets kind of showed what their potential was on defense. Um, in week three of the preseason, obviously we have to understand that, that that is against, you know, the giant second and third stringers, but they did get a little bit more complex. Um, I can guarantee you they're not going to be as vanilla as they were weeks one and week two of the preseason because it was just straight cover three. Um, and they were getting absolutely obliterated because when you, when we tell a team, Hey, we're just spot dropping cover three, just attack, uh, the weak points of it. And that's what the Falcons kind of did. Uh, it, it was almost annoying watching the Falcons game because, Arthur Smith was like legitimately trying to win that game. Uh, he was a tryhard in preseason where he just kept running cover three beaters, would run tight splits, and then just attack the flat, which is the hard part, which is the one of the weak spots of the uh, cover three defense, especially the immediacy of the flat. So if you could play action uh, with some tight with some tight splits, um, the flat's going to be open pretty consistently. And they just kept over like like flooding the sideline and flooding the flat, um, and they got easy gains on that. So it wasn't really a good example of what the Jets defense is going to be. So. While it's a little bit frustrating that they weren't um, really showing us what they could be in the preseason, I, I don't think that's what they're going to be. Again, they got they did get a little bit more complex uh, in that third game, and like you said last year, listen, you have a you have a team who's battered with injuries, plus a defense um, which again is relatively simple, and it would work with guys who are that Richard Sherman level or or any really good players. But when you have guys. You know, like Sheldrick Redwine and Brandon Eccles trying to execute the simple. Um, they're not necessarily executing the simple as good as it could be executed, which you need to execute the simple at a very high level to make it effective. So um, that just exemplified their problems where last year, if they were a young team, but it was like a Wink Martindale type defense, I think they would be a little bit better um, because it's a little bit more, you know, complex. So it could hide some deficiencies where the Jets, you know, again, they, they, they tend to be more simple, but if you execute the simple very, very well, like Salah says, it, it lets you not think and just play football. But the problem was last year, those guys were, were thinking, um, and it was simple, which just exemplified the problems of the defense, which is still no excuse for how bad they were. Let's be realistic. Like the Jets have had, you know, guys like Darren Walls starting and Antonio Allen at safety, and they were still better than the Jets defense last year. So I'm not making excuses, but I definitely do expect to see a much more uh, or a much better defense, you know, this year. I'm not saying they're going to be top 10 or top 15, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, 31, 32 type defense. Next question comes in from Anthony Siglatano. He says, are there any offensive tackles out there that you think would be worth taking a look at for the Jets right now? 
Also, how worried are you about the position? I'm pretty worried about the position, to be honest, because Dwayne Brown's 37 years old, and George Fant is coming off a pretty major injury. And beyond that, you've got Max Mitchell, and that's it. So they've got to do something there. As far as names, there's nobody off the top of my head that I can think of. Maybe they'll go fishing at the bottom of somebody else's roster or check in on some guys that are recently released veterans, but nobody sticks out to me off the top of my head. Yeah, there's there's three names, and um, I, I will I will kind of preface this by saying that I haven't necessarily watched these guys like strictly, so I'm not going to say that you know I, I've watched tackle four, five, six, and free agency. I have a really good feel for them, but just general opinions. Um, there are some names out there, like I said, Brandon Shell. I, I think that he's he's improved um, what, from what he was with the Jets. I'm not saying he's a good starter or even a below average starter. I think he's a bad starter, but there's a difference. Like I always say, in backup. I think he's a good backup. Um, that will be willing to sign like Eric Fisher, who's battled some injuries, but um, he's another guy who has some starting experience. But also understand that, like, I'm not saying these guys are, are, are very good players. I'm just saying that I'm more comfortable with them starting a couple of games than I am uh, in a fourth-round rookie in Max Mitchell or if they're to bring, you know, a Connor McDermott-type guy back. So um, there are a few names out there uh, off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's other ones that I'm not thinking about that I would, I would be more confident with um, then a Max Mitchell, um, but I'm yet to find those names yet. I'm sure, but I'm sure they're out there. Next question comes in from Jim D. He says, keeping Ashton Davis, was that a Joe Douglas ego issue or is there really not much of a significant difference between him, Pinnock and Parks? The position in general, including Joyner, feels below average. Yeah, it is definitely below average. The only starter they have that you would consider a solid, capable starter for sure is Jordan Whitehead because even Joyner who has a lot of experience and at one point in time was a very good player is 32 years old and coming off a major injury so you don't know what you're going to get out of him I think what happened with Ashton Davis honestly is just that they looked at Pinnock and they looked at Parks and they saw two guys that had limited upside and thought maybe they would be decent to stick on the roster now but weren't going to be all that great and they just looked at Ashton Davis and said, look at this athletic ceiling. We're not ready to give up on him. We think that if we put him on waivers, somebody else is going to take a chance on him. So we'd rather keep him and roll with him and see if we can get him to his ceiling rather than picking between Pinnock or Parks, who they see a lot less quality in. And we'll talk about Tony Adams later, too, because we had a question about Tony Adams. But Ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to because everybody pointing to the draft pick explanation is missing all the other draft picks that the Jets got rid of that didn't make the active roster. I don't think that's what this is at all. I think they just still believe in their heart of hearts that Davis could turn into something. And Robbie Sabo and I talked about this the other day on the show. Davis does have the ability to become a really good safety because you can see how quickly he can get places and he has that coverage potential. The problem is he takes all these terrible angles and his instincts have been spotty so it's a risk to continue going with him but I think they felt like Parks and Pinnock weren't really going to do them that much good so it's better to take the risk on Davis yeah yeah I understand the age thing because you're looking at at Will Parks who's what like 28 29 years old so he, he might not be cut out for the future and with that being said like yeah, Ashton Davis isn't good at all uh, I just put up a play of him last night like then now and in the future it's like him missing tackles based on brutal <laughs> angles we saw Giants game where you know he gets a guy squared up misses a tackle so um, he can't tackle guys, which is very important as a, as a deep safety. Also, you know, in the box, um, he's pretty bad in coverage. His, you know, his, both of his picks this year, I believe, were off of, uh, was off of Tua, and he just threw him right to him. It's not like he did anything, you know, uh, really good. When you actually turn the pin off, those plays weren't um, very good. So 
his 2021 end of season was extremely overrated by just, you know, casual fans who weren't necessarily going to, to watch or follow up on it. Um, and he didn't really do much in the season to impress me. Actually, really nothing at all, to be completely honest. And Will Parks, like, yeah, we like him on, you know, he's, he's cool on social media, I guess. And he seems like a rah-rah guy. And it seems like the team likes him. But at the same time, like, what did he do in the preseason? Um, the first, the first game or two, he was playing way, way too deep in coverage and almost got beat a few times. Um, and then in, you know, even the plays that he did again, air quotes make, they were kind of very generic plays that you expect they got to make. Like, uh, one of the plays, I believe he was back breaks out for a screen and holy crap, he's there to make the tackle. Well, yeah, he was in man coverage on the guy, you know, who was receiving the screen. So if he wasn't there, it'd be a problem. You know, it was expected to him to be, to, uh, for him to be there. I think another one, he was just in a curl of flat. So he was already widening to. Um, he's already widening to the to the outside, and then they threw a screen. So yes, he was there, and he shot it, and he made a tackle. Great, but again, very generic plays that are more expected to be made, and very very bad if you don't make them. So his stock doesn't go up. His stock would go down if he didn't make those plays. If you feel what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I, the that the fact that Ash Davis probably shouldn't be on this team, or he definitely shouldn't be on this team. But I'm not getting my panties in a bunch because a guy like Kanaka Parks didn't make it because they didn't really show me much either. That's going to wrap up part two of the Labor Day weekend mega mailbag. Really appreciate Joe Blewett coming on and joining me to answer some questions. Joe, thanks so much. Make sure that you follow Joe on Twitter and go over to JetsXFactor.com and watch all his insanely long but very thorough, entertaining, and informative film reviews. They're all there. Check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Luke Grant, has got some All-22 breakdowns, some fantastic ones at that of the entire Jets 2022 rookie draft class so make sure that you watch those and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already youtube.com slash play like a jet visit our store tpublic.com that's tepublic.com we've got the John Franklin Myers Quentin Williams bless you thank you shirt the Zach says go long shirt the Zach the Ripper shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tepublic.com and be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>